Welcome everyone to the often imitated, never duplicated, the best darn comic book review podcast in Phoenix, America, and the entire planet of Earth. My name is Matt. I'm I'm a I'm a very uh, sober Corbin right now. <laughs> I'm Jay. Why are you sober? Because I had to read Batman ninety three. That's a somber, not sober. Nope. Nope, I'm sober. I was drunk in love with all my other books, and mm. then I read Batman 93, and now I am sober. All right. So Shake welcome to Tales from the Spinner the Act, our weekly <laughs> comic book review podcast. Buckle up, boys and girls, because this is going to be a fun one. Uh, if you go anything based on our conversation before the show started, this is going <laughs> to be a one. good one, because for reasons unbeknownst to me, I'm about to try to defend Tinian's Batman run against someone who who was defending it tooth and nail against Tom King's. So the other shoe is apparently dropped. It just yeah, yeah, you got me. This I, you never thought you'd see this, ladies and gentlemen, but here you are, Matt defending. It's gonna happen. I love Tinian, but I did I'm not hate gonna... Tom King's run on Batman as much as Corbin does. His, I don't think like, anybody really did. No, his his <laughs> monumental hate for it. Like he makes it very well known. That's okay. That's okay. Yep. I, every time I throw the trash away, I just think Tom King. I don't know why. It's at the point where it's <laughs> Dude, that's ridiculous. I flush a toilet, Tom King flashed through my mouth. I, <laughs> I mean, think there it is. I think that's a personal thing you need to work through, man, because his run I mean, on Batman was not that bad. No, the last 20 issues were trash. His run on trash. Batman. Mm. Ruined Batman. He 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 is to Batman to me. What do you think Joel Schumacher is? <laughs> okay, rest in peace. Anyway, whatever there. Whatever there. Let's get into this because before we before we get into that, did anybody have any good pickups this week? Any new like old school books, classic Golden Age, Silver Age books you picked up this week? Anything uh, out of the ordinary that wasn't on your your weekly readers pick that you picked up just for? The collection, the PC. Uh, I got a spectacular Spider-Man 200, Death of Harry Osborn. Ooh, nice pickup. I got, uh, yep. I got Avengers Annual 10, first appearance of Rogue. Ooh, nice. How much that set you back in uh, absolute geek money? 50 bucks. Damn, that's actually a good deal. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Not at all. That's uh, the lowly man could get that. An absolute geek money. Whatever, dude. Keep your bag and boarded pockets loaded. No, All right. So let's All go. Right. Let's get into the reviews. We got our we got our clout throwing out of the way. <laughs> That's right. Let's get into the reviews. And I guess we're gonna we're gonna kick it off. We're gonna kick it off with Batman ninety three. And let's talk about it. Let's let's clear the air here. Let's give Corbin a little bit of a therapy session here with Batman 93. Because I didn't hate this book. I actually thought it was probably the best book of the week. And I'm going to see if if I can change Corbin's mind on this. Because he doesn't seem to think that he seems to think that there's a lot of plot holes. And he doesn't understand the story. Well, I shouldn't say he doesn't understand the story, but he thinks there's a lot of plot holes. There's yeah. a lot of things that are are questionable in Corbin's mind, and we're gonna, we're gonna find out why. So go ahead, go ahead, Corbin, unleash your review. 
of Batman 93 for the people. And Jay and I will jump in whenever unleash, we know you're wrong. Unleash the fury. Yeah. All right. I mean, <sighs> do I have to? All right. So you have Tinian writing it. You have um, Gilliam March and Javier Fernandez as the artist. That's the creative team. Um, Tommy Moray and uh, David Barron on colors. You can go down the list of that. But this is the main creative team. It starts off with Batman confronting um, the um, – oh, my gosh. I'm forgetting his name now. It's right the there. The designer. It's uh, The D's on his face. I'm sorry. That the, actually, desi- the designer. The designer. The designer. And basically I can draw some D's on your face, too. These nuts go got him. <laughs> oh my gosh, I set myself right up for that. <laughs> anyway, he's facing the he's facing the designer um after the events from Batman 92. Um and the designer is basically giving his grand scheme master plan of how everything has come together to basically lead them to where they are. Um is at this point that Batman, and this is the first issue I have with it, goes into his utility belt and just opens up a pocket and pulls out a sword. Just a straight-up sword. Not some secret compartment. Just pulls it out from some pouch that's there that apparently doesn't go the length of his leg, but pulls out a freaking sword. While the designer has his back turned to him, doesn't see it, but then turns around with his sword and says, on guard, as if they are doing some duel of... Of, of all of, of the of, shit of, of that Batman has pulled out of his utility belt over the so, years... Corbin has sword. an issue with a the, sword. No, but let me tell you why. Because all the stuff he's put out in, in his in his utility belt over the years comes with context. The bat shock repellent came from the campy sixties. Um, Burt Warden, Adam West. It was a joke. It was camp. You are talking about a serious storyline right now, and you're going to pull out a, a sword while while the designer comes out on guard as if you're doing some kind of duel that is not. Oh, I'm trying to kill you. No, that's ridiculous to me. Meanwhile, you have uh, another plot point where Catwoman. Okay. So let me stop you right here. I'm trying to. Here's, I understand, but we're going to go through the first plot point right here. That is Deathstroke's sword. That is the sword he took off Deathstroke. He's not, he is opening that slot out of his utility belt because it's stuck through it. So he's got it sheathed in there. Like, no, there was no sheath. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it right now, dude. It's, it's Deathstroke's sword. Where do you see that? What panel are you looking at? I'm looking at the same panel. Dude, he's like pulling it out of his utility belt. Like, like it's sheathed in there, but okay. I'm sorry. Anyways, where? Where? Go where? ahead. The artwork there. Am I? Am I? Am I giving the, the, the panel the right here? Yeah, they're giving the same panel. Anyways, maybe. No, it's are, okay. You. What? Either way. Go ahead. All right. All right. Meanwhile, <laughs> I mean that was my first. It's trivial. I no, understand. you're right. He is. It. 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 Because it, it is dark in my room. It does look like there. Okay, so it does look like he pulled it out of his utility belt. I'll give you that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. At, at worst, maybe I'll just give it a knock on the artwork and just the lack of description there, especially when we're diving in as deep as we are. But then you have an, another plot point where Catwoman is using, um, she's uh, moving money from different accounts from various Wayne Enterprise accounts, putting her to putting her own account so that it is safe. Um, and she's an underbroker doing this. My question is how. Is it safe? Because for one, as a criminal organization has her account information, then that alone wouldn't necessarily want me to put money into that. That doesn't make any sense. Also, the money is spread across multiple shell accounts. Then 
why would you not keep it there instead of putting it into one account as if someone is taking all of the money? And the third point is that if she has the account numbers and everything she needs to undergo this delicate process, why the hell does she need the underbroker with her to complete this series transaction? None of it adds up to any logical reason or any logical action to do so. It's, it's, it's of imperative importance that I move this money that is already dispersed in different accounts that is taking so long to kind of figure out to keep it safe under one account that is under my name, that, oh, by the way, a criminal organization also has access to it. So there you go with that. Also, the underbroker is with me because reasons. No no reason behind that. Yet another knock on that for me. And then you have, and this is probably the, the, the most irritating part of this for me, you have the continuation of the showdown between Harley Quinn and Punchline. Um, a lot of readers super psyched about it. I would like to admit that I myself was also very pumped for this. Um, the last issue promised the battle between the two. This issue actually follows through on that promise. But just because you get to see them fight doesn't mean that the fight was good. And, and it wasn't. For one, let me tell you. Um, you, you start, you're crafting a story. You're, you're, you're trying to get these finer points figured out. And this part was the one of the first that I, that made it seem like Tinian has never been in a fight. It's very much one of these like old like little kid shootouts or where, where schoolyard bouts where you are... I'm such a badass, and you're going to know it because I'm going to insult you and talk to you the entire time. There's so much dialogue, very one-sided, a lot of insults back and forth. He's trying so hard to make Punchline a badass when he wasn't before. He was building it up. I liked it. There was a set of mystery behind it. And now it's like he just went and leaned all the way into the heavy to make Punchline seem so, so bad. And Harley is like almost this mild, like, oh, you don't understand. He does this to everyone. You're falling for the same trap again. Like, that she's so concerned on this. And again, just full-length dialogue. I've never seen so many bubble panels in a fight since, like, the 1960s Marvel stories when half <laughs> of the book was book. All right? Within these panels of action, it's all this talking. Personally, if you have some verbal zingers in or out, fine. Spider-Man lives off of that. I don't mind. Maybe one or two while someone is hurt or injured, fine. You had a panel, and I'm just going to put a spoiler here. It's been a couple of days now, where Harley Quinn gets her throat cut by Punchline. And then Punchline's, oh, you don't have some clever comebacks? You can barely get it out through the blood coming out. Well, duh, because you slit her fucking throat. Um, excuse my French. I was so fired up about that. Because, like, what is the point? What are you what are you getting at? I, I don't understand. It was like Tinian was doing so well. And then, and, and this is the word that I just understand throughout the entire book. He just got desperate. That's what it felt like. Desperate. I I personally don't like the monologue bubbles all over while two people are trying to at best beat the crap out of each other or at worst kill each other. I, I don't need that. That's my own like comic enjoyment. So we can set some of that aside. But it just felt like between the identity of the designer, which, I mean, I'll let Matt or Jay get into it. I really could care less. I didn't expect it to be some big reveal, nor was it. But it just, it was done for the sake of being done. The same thing with Punchline being, oh, look how quickly she dispatched Harley Quinn. She's so bad. Like, we still, it just felt so much of a cliche. It, it was like a better fighting Harley Quinn. So much of a cliche, the Punchline character. I don't like what... Tinian did with her in this one. And then lastly, the nonsense with Catwoman and the underbroker. Did she get shot at the end? Did she not get shot? We hear a bang. We see her slumped over. We, we Punchline grabs a gun in between disposing of Harley Quinn and going to her. The, the artwork doesn't give us any indication of anything being done that way. Um, it's just Catwoman slumped over saying, yeah, man. And we're left to the next one. Um, as the Joker 
is laughing because he gets a phone call. We presume it's from Punchline or the underbroker at this point, basically saying that it's done and he wants them to say it, that he's worth $100 billion. And he just goes laughing like it's a joke, which leads to the play on a classic storyline where it's Joker's billions instead of Joker's millions. But I read this and I went, no, it was trash. No, I, I just, there was no redeeming quality for me. The artwork... Maybe some of the questions I even have is the artwork wasn't as clear as I would have liked. It kind of seemed all over the place. I like some splash panels where you have Batman first facing off against the designer, even with the on guard. Like, as much as I hated that stupid, juvenile, desperate line, I, I guess that artwork was well done. Um, like I said, as to the reveal of the designer, I didn't expect it to be someone significant, and I wasn't, um, let's say, ruined by any of that. It's just the corpse of the real designer that the Joker reanimated like he's done with all these zombie corpses. So there, I told you. Um, my problem is that none of these corpses have been as composed and as taken after designer like the designer was. It was We didn't know until you look back and see the corpse. So the reveal wasn't that spectacular to me because if you'd follow the storyline and other um, books in this big storyline as Matt referenced before, you would have realized that none of these reanimated zombies actually took the personality identity down to a T that the designer one did. So either it's a plot point gone bad or did the joker find some special high iq zombie gas that worked until the mask came off like like how did that happen it's it's either uh tom king-esque revisionist history plot point that i'll have to find on batman 94 or was just a gaping plot hole left behind and that annoyed me um and, and then finally I'm, I'm gonna let you speak man i'm sorry just let, no, let I, it go. Say, I, have, I have to agree with kyle corbin it's a comic book pump your brakes bud no, no, I understand that. But when I'm here to review the comic book, I go at it seriously. All right? I understand that. You're right. For, for those of us who aren't invested, maybe maybe it's because I'm financially quite strapped and I spent a good little chunk of change. I would have kept this book there and taken my $6 and fed myself for dinner last night if I had known what the book would be. When it's coming with my money and I don't have that absolute geek money and you give me this <laughs> and I'm paying a good price point for it, I'm going to get on you. No, I'm kidding. Um, but ultimately, no, I, I'm fired up just because I was expecting so much. If we're going to be, I was, I was so personally excited for this one, and I feel kind of let down by it. And so, um, the exasperation, the anger, the excitement that is uh, a, a la Stephen A. Smith right now is due to just how high my own expectations were, and how Tinian had made such a good run so far, in my opinion, that maybe I let myself just go up and up and up in excitement. And mind you, grading this book, after giving it all that I did, I'm probably going to give it a 2.5. Like, it wasn't like a zero or a one. It wasn't a horrible book, but it wasn't great. And the plot points I gave are, are actually real ones. I mean, you don't have to, you know, be pouring over the panels to kind of see those if you've been following the storyline up to now. And, um, you know, honestly, I just was expecting better. And so I, I give it a 2.5 out of 5. Um I look forward to Tinian having a bounce back book, a uh, bounce back issue next one. Um, you know, bad books happen. It's just not what I was hoping for. I gave this book a four out of five because I enjoyed Goodbye. the hell out of this issue. One, because it finally gave me what I wanted at 92, which was the Harley Quinn punchline face off. The stuff with the underbroker makes sense to me because Catwoman and Bruce Wayne are together now. Catwoman knows that this is going to happen because of the dealings from the past with the under with the designer and everyone involved. She knows that Bruce Wayne and all of Wayne's enterprises money is in a shell account. It's in it's 
a fake account. It's hidden behind Wayne Charities. So she knows that this money is already in this fake account and she needs the underbroker to move it so it doesn't look like it was stolen. It looks like it's a legitimate move into her accounts. They are together now. So she's trying to stop this plan by moving Bruce Wayne's money into her secret accounts that only her and the underbroker know about. At this time, in her mind, only her and the underbroker know about this account, these accounts that she set up to try and stop them from taking Bruce Wayne's money. So, therefore, the double cross comes and the underbroker double crosses her with Punchline and the Joker. And that's where you get all of that from. So, there's that plot line connected right there that she knows about it. The Punchline stuff, your, your argument with the Punchline... And Harley Quinn thing is goes back to my issue. We don't know a lot about Punchline. There is a di- there's a clear cut difference between Joker and, or between Punchline and Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn was that she fell in love with Joker, head over heels for the Joker, would do anything for the Joker. Punchline's not that person. Joker is attracted to Punchline for different reasons, and I think it's the reverse of the relationship. That in this relationship, Joker is more attracted to Punchline. Then punchline is to him. So it's the opposite of the Harley Quinn Joker relationship to me. And we don't know, you know, and it's like you said, Harley is in that. She's been there. She's trying to tell punchline you've been used. She's, she's trying to talk her through it to where she had makes a mistake and lets her guard down and gets her throat slit. And that, that, comment that she where she's like you're not talking now in the blood gargling is very super villain it's very <laughs> cliche can't be super villain like it, like it's, it's not very, oh someone to be feared it's straight out the villain guidebook of what should I do right now so I don't know yeah it's it's very it's very super villain esque like it's it's that same badass line that you know any villain would use when they're when they've just got the upper hand and walking away. The but only thing the I thing. didn't like about this book was the All reveal right. of the designer being a zombie controlled by the Joker. I thought that was very, I thought that was very predictable, and I thought that was poor writing. I thought that right there was 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 poor writing and poor choice on Tinian's as he kind of needed a means to an end to connect it all. But but they are they are pushing the the Joker they're pushing this Joker war narrative as this is the final chapter in the story of Batman and Joker. The outcome of this is the final chapter in the history of Batman and Joker. And Joker went Joker has finally had enough and he's ready to end the game and he went after something he's never tried to go after before. And that's the Wayne fortune. He knows who Bruce, he knows who Batman's Bruce Wayne. He's going after the one thing that he's never gone after before to end Batman once and for all. And that's his billions. If he doesn't have this money, he can't get all these gadgets. You know, he's going, it, it's, it's going end game. And, and I think this issue was fantastic. And I think it did a great job of setting this all up. I think you, you're, you're looking at this as I understand you're a diehard love this Batman you know your your love for the Batman character, but you I don't think you're ready to or wanting to see the change that's coming and the potential that this storyline could go to. 
I, I can accept some of your argument. I can see I wasn't looking at it with a different lens. I, I will accept that. Um, I, I like Tinian. I just feel like uh, he was acting. It was okay. There's nothing wrong with being a safe comic writer. You know, he isn't going to be the long-term Batman writer of this title. So, you know, putting in a story where you put your own little bits and pieces, but you're just continuing it. Tinian is a very solid writer. Boom. Now he's getting to a point where, again, if this is going to be the climatic Batman Joker story to end all Batman Joker stories or whatever, you get to a point where you got to take some bold decisions, some bold, some bold choices, right? Not being a comic writer, I can't go experience on how you would do such. But as a comic reader, I think we can go on how the lack of plot points, or the, or the lack of plot holes, uh, or, or, or why there should be a lack of plot holes in a story of such potential significance. And when you have stuff like the, the identity of the designer um, that, yeah, we knew the reveal you, you, for those who didn't make sure you read secret files or, or whatever. And for those who did, it's still even knowing what it tells you doesn't help you with, ah, that makes sense. It's just poorly written. End of story. In my opinion, um, I will agree with you more on punchline of the character. I guess that does make some sense because for me, I guess I was so, obsessed with the amount of dialogue in the fighting from my own personal comic reading experience that I may have overlooked the subtle um, difference in Harley from trying so hard to reach punchline that she was no longer focused on the altercation. So I, I will concede that. Um, I just think I was let down because this is where, okay, Tinian was writing such a good safe story. Everything was, was solid to me because he wasn't really making any daring big decisions. And now you get to the point where, okay, this is where you're going to put your identity as the writer here to actually reveal a, a major identity continue a story moving along in a way that has some climatic stakes that is going to mean something for the next ramifications for the next issue and i feel like there was some letdowns in that and and maybe again i was so hyped on him following through because i felt like all the other books were so good that a minor dip for me was like oh my god well here's the and thing so maybe that's why they're toting that like i said they're toting this is the batman and joker story to end all batman joker stories i wish they would you gotta understand that this is probably going to be <laughs> the most strategic chess match you've seen in comic book history. These are the, these are the two biggest names, hero oh. and villain, hero and villain. And if they're, if DC is going on the line to tote and say, this is the final chapter and the story of the history of the Batman and the Joker, you, you got to expect it to be a, a crazy chess match. And I think you've got to look at these books in a different mindset and more and look at it through a more strategic lens that maybe Tinian's not going to give you everything you want or you have to kind of read between the lines. Like, like we saw who Jay showed in the chat, the last page of Batgirl and it's Barbara Gordon walking through the door and Joker's behind the door. He's going to go, he's going to strategically go after every member of the Batman family to take them all out before he comes for Bruce. Yeah, he he already went after Nightwing too. Remember last time yeah. when I with that crystal? Mm-hmm. He's gone after Nightwing. He's gone. At, he's gone after Babs now, and obviously things have gone oh, down Babs. with Catwoman. You know, so who knows? We it, it leaves you with you don't know what happens to Catwoman. You don't know if Harley Quinn lives or dies. Her the the relationship between Punchline and Joker is vastly different between that of Harley Quinn because she even says, "I'm not his girlfriend. I'm his partner." She's not in love with him and infatuated with him. She kind of saw him as a means to an end. So she's replicated and perfected things that he's done. And she, and he's kind of got that admiration for her 
because she's not swooning over him, you know? So it's, it's a different relationship. And we, like I said, we don't know. So we don't know a lot about her. And I think that's where your arguments coming in now is you're finally seeing what I've been saying is that we don't know so much about punchline that you're like, well, this doesn't make sense. This is not a story, blah, 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 blah. But and and what the thing you liked so much about it is what's doing you in. Cause you were like, I like that. We don't know that much about punchline, but your argument is, is, Oh, well, where the hell is she getting this fighting style from? How the hell does she know how to fight? You, you know, where, where is this coming from? We don't know about her. You know? I, I get what you're saying. I can, I can accept that. That is, that is valid. All right. You what t- do you t- say, t- Jay? What do you think, well, Jay? Okay. So I like this just to piggyback on this, the Harley Quinn punchline thing. I kind of agree with Corbin in, in the in the sense that um, so Harley Quinn has been around and she you know in, in the days of the Suicide Squad I mean Amanda Waller has dropped the, that team into meat grinders you know and she's held her own through a lot thank you you know and now here comes Punchline who nobody knows. I mean, unless, like, like Corbin said, unless she's coming straight from the league of shadows, <laughs> you know, um, it's, I mean, it was, it was over so fast. I mean, punchline did to Harley Quinn, what lots of people have tried before and haven't managed to do, but yet somehow this, you know, Joker's new, whatever side, I don't know if it's a sidekick or whatever it is. Jealousy. Comes to, is the green and eyes monster in, and does her in in a matter of you know and that that kind of was like oh come on really already <laughs> yeah um Dude, jealousy is a green eyed monster so whatever what is the, what is the difference here <laughs> no 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 there's not whatever look at the Joker <laughs> Harley Quinn right? relationship whatever. what is the difference here Harley is jealous because she, punchline is getting the attention from Joker she never got. All the, really, all the stuff being dropped so. in, all the stuff really being the dropped in with the, the suicide the- squad. She doesn't, there's that one piece that's not there. It's the Joker isn't involved. What panel do you see Harley at all jealous? If anything, she's a complete opposite of that. There was no aggression on Harley's side. She's focused from on that, their relationship. The she sees punchline, she goes, Oh, you poor thing. There's yeah. no jealousy she's there. She's focused so much on trying to reach her. About Joker messing with her, she's not concentrating on the fight. Punchline's not jealous, that way. She even care? Punchline no, is she focused. Punchline. Punchline is focused and not listening to her. Harley Quinn is is leaving herself open because of the vulnerability of her relationship with the Joker. Yes, but what I'm trying to say is rather than try to help her, which is what she would do, like in this issue, if she was doing it out of jealousy, then she would have her own laser focus and hatred towards Punchline for you're trying to replace me. We've read how many comics we've seen that happen. Where, yeah. oh, you're trying to usurp me, trying to one out me? Oh, I'm so... It's happened with Harley Quinn before. It's where, anger. Oh, I'm going to oh that's you cute. You, you really think he wants a relationship with you? He told me that once too, you know? It's, and Harley didn't even react to that in a way of anger. It was, oh, you don't understand. It, it's, it's, it's the complete opposite of... I know what you're saying, Matt, and I can agree with you to a certain extent. I get what you mean. The bottom line is, whatever relationship Harley had with the Joker that she's trying to relay the punchline left her open to an attack. I can get you on that. I, I think the motion for is completely different because having read 92 and 93, Harley went from 
Harley to being this doting mother. Oh no, you don't understand what you're doing is wrong. Let me try to help you in the middle of the fight. And that's what got me. It's the switch of personalities between Harley and Harleen. I would prefer it being poor writing on Harley's part, but I (laughs) I don't think I can. I I, I can agree to disagree with you on that. I think for me, that's what I was getting. Because I thought at the beginning, I went, okay, Harley had that moment because it happened in 92. She was trying to talk punchline out. Punchline made it clear. I'm not here for discussion. And then 92, 93, Punchline is all here for discussion. Harley hasn't changed at all. And it's it's a continuation I think of it's, that. I think it's fantastic writing, and it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It got the internet talking. Everybody wants to know what happened to Harley Quinn. Because on Friday, DC came out and was like, we've got big Harley Quinn news coming yeah, out. It was the end of Harley Quinn, the TV series, the season two finale. Happened. Well, no, not just that, but they announced the, the Harley Quinn um what is the, it? The, the, the book. Yeah, the out of the White Knight series. Yeah, I, so, I was kidding. I was kidding, man. But yeah. you know, the it's got the internet talking. They want to know what happened to Harley Quinn. Is she alive? Is she dead? It was same with Cat. I agree. I agree with you that the Catwoman stuff at the end is confusing because it's like bang, and then she slumps over. You don't see a gunshot wound. You don't. You don't see any of that. I, I so I you don't know. If, yeah, you don't know if she killed the the broker or if she killed or you know if she shot a cat woman or knocked her out you don't know that you don't know what's left with harley i i completely understand and i i feel like the reveal of the joker being or controlling the designer was playing it too safe thank you okay I, you know what you can't you can't talk to me out some i give it a 2.5 i'll i'll give it a three <laughs> i'm staying four i liked it i like the story i like the this is like you know you're making your first move in the chess game and Joker yeah. now has something he's not had in the past, and that's the means to fund his end. And we're going to see what happens. I mean, I can't argue um, with that. Jay, what, what grade would you give it? I, I'll give it a 3.5. Okay. I like that. We're very I think we're just going up the scale. 3, 3.5, 4. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. That, that's yeah. solid. I Does stand with it. Huh? Oh, no, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, I, I, I've been talking the entire time. Go on. Come on, Jack. <laughs> uh, I was just gonna say I, I liked it. I thought it was it, it was an awesome read. I mean, so much went on, and that that little the uh, punchline Harley Quinn thing. It, you know, if I had to nitpick certain things, I I nitpick that, and and I nitpick probably that you know the 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 Catwoman thing. But um, I thought the art, I th- I thought the art was fantastic, um, and. I mean, I thought it was a really solid issue, and um, but yeah, if, if I mean, you know, and and the the gentleman's duel with with yeah. bats and, and and designer was kind of corny, but it was fun, and yeah, I mean, it was, I thought it was cool. I was good, fun yeah. issue. It certainly progressed the story, that's for sure. Yeah, you go. All right, that's it. We we talked for about thirty minutes on that. <laughs> That's solid though. I'm with it. the episode on Batman. So who wants to go? What what book we got next? I mean, I'll get mine out the way real quick. If anyone has any, uh, I mean, I think we should let Jay go since you basically just talked throughout the entire Batman. No, no, if you want, if you got more bats, then I was. You're right. No, I was only thinking in terms of more Batman. But you're right. uh, Oh, if you want to go more Batman, if you want this very quick though, because I did cannibalize most of that talk there. My apologies. (laughs) What what are you going? Are you doing Batman Beyond? Yeah, Batman Beyond forty four. Dan Jurgen, Sean Chen, great team, great book. Whoever's not reading it needs to pick it up. I, I can't, I, I keep talking. People like to say me dissing on Batman, but I've had nothing but praise for this entire Batman Beyond run. You can check every 
episode I've been on about this. It's such a good story. Um, just such a good story and such a continuation of that. Um, this was pretty quick. In Batman Beyond 43, last we were um, last episode of Spin Rack, last time we reviewed it, um, they just closed out the Blight storyline, and Batman Beyond was um, found uh, basically a comatose um, Damien, who was just completely beat up, totally out of it, and was hurt bad. And so they were trying to figure out, one, why is Damien back in Gotham City? Um after the last appearance of him and uh, Terry McGinnis, which didn't end very well because, and I'm going to use the word jealousy right here, um, Damien was jealous of Bruce's relationship with Terry McGinnis. Um, and it caused a big fight between the two of them. And then they finally agreed to disagree um, or kind of agreed, okay, you know what, Damien's going to go back to the League of Assassins and, um, you know, Batman and, and, and Bruce Wayne would continue to hold down the fort in Gotham. Moving right along, Damien's dragging Goliath comes with Dra Dra Damien's broken body, um, and Batman's like, hey, we need to move. We need to get out of here. We need to go um, bring Damien to a hospital. And Bruce goes, no, you need to bring him here um, in my bat suite, because if you remember, the bat cave pretty much got destroyed by Blight um, in issue 43. And he's like, you need to come over to where I'm at. I have a, um, a rejuvenating bath here or a healing bath, which is taken from some of the waters from um, Ra's al Ghul's um, uh, rejuvenation pit, um, along with some of the, the compound. Lazarus of, pit. The Lazarus pit. Thank you. I couldn't remember. I'm so fired up. Anyway, um, the <laughs> Lazarus pit. Along, I want. He called it rejuvenation pit because he took some of the elements of Ra's al Ghul's um, Lazarus pit, but also some compounds of his own to minimize the violent after effects of that person coming out. That always happens in the Lazarus pit. So as Batman um, is with Goliath and Damien trying to get back to um, headquarters, they are undergoing an attack from the newly remodeled League of Assassins, who have everything you'd expect, you know, now with increased firepower. So most of the issue is a fight between them. Batman says, hey, listen, you know, I'd really like some help right now because Goliath can only do so much while also helping Damien. It'd be great if we had Batwoman here. Where is Batwoman? Cuts to Batwoman. Batwoman, who is Elaine, um, Dick Grayson's uh, daughter, is with Dick and Barbara. And they went back to the remains of the Batcave, where apparently Bruce Wayne had made a costume for Barbara for when he was getting old. His first immediate idea for a successor was Barbara Gordon. And he made a prototype suit basically before the Batman Beyond suit for Barbara to wear to continue on the fight as he realized he was getting too old. Barbara declined, and that's why Batman Beyond made his new suit that he continued to use until he got too old to continue. So that was cool, and it set up a reveal of seeing the suit where Elaine looks at it and goes, oh my goodness, this is perfect, and we never see it. So I guess we'll have to continue on to the next, episode, next issue to find out what this suit is, how does it look, how is this new complete redesign for the character, and also... That was an interesting film story because you would have thought that Bruce Wayne continued the crusade as the Dark Knight alone until he was too, you know, incapacitated to continue. And apparently, no, he had tried to come up with a succession plan. It was just declined. Goes back to Batman, Goliath, and Damien. They make it to Bruce at, at the headquarters. They put him in the rejuvenation pit. Damien comes out, and he is, again... The, the compound that Bruce put in didn't work. He's violent. He's attacking. Um, he's attacking uh, Terry, and Bruce has to step in. And then Damien takes a moment. He goes back to normal. And Damien says, "Listen, um, basically, I've been overthrown 
at the League of Assassins by a man named Mr. Zero. Um, he's a sworn lieutenant of grandfathers, and he was loyal to him in his ways. He wants to bring some of that back. Um, unfortunately, he wants to bring back all of the negative effects as well, which include destroying the Earth to grow a new one. Basically, continuing on Rachel Ghoul's legacy there. And it cuts to Mr. Zero at the very end, basically leading the League of Assassins with the plan to basically freeze over the Earth, which seems straight from a Mr. Free storyline, except he also has a plan to launch himself and his followers into space to avoid the cataclysmic destruction and then come back and restart. And you said Batman 93 sounded ridiculous. Uh, I'll launch you into space to stop the next Ice Age. I mean, listen, any of Ra's al Ghul's plans, you name Uh, one good one that sounded great for worldwide destruction. Name one good one. I mean, it's his MO. It's his shtick. It's his gimmick. I don't don't think I go, wow, Ra's al Ghul's plan is so cleverly cultivated. And yeah, that could really be the end of the world. It's just another run of the mill end of the world story. Come on. <laughs> Breaking news. I, I'm just glad he made a plan to actually get himself out of it because Rachel will always seems to think, I'll just survive. I'll I'll be right next to Lazarus pit when I blow up the earth and I'll just roll my body into it and come back alive. Like, at least there's a plan in place. Breaking All news. Saying, yes. Kyle from the Absolute Geek Podcast in the chat says Batman 93, 4.0 hands down. I would expect him to agree with you, Matt. That 4.0 is good. hands down. I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, I'm just glad that Kyle is in, involved in reading. That's awesome. Shout out to you, Kyle. Um, reading those books and, and putting in your input. That's great. Okay. So what's your you score what? on, on Batman Beyond? 4.0 hands down. Okay. Easy enough. <laughs> Easy enough. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'll give it a 3.5. Artwork was fine, sir. It was solid. It was a filler episode. Um, if anything, the little flashback to Bruce Wayne and Barbara although it was only in panels, was something that I was intrigued by. I'm also intrigued by the new bat suit we're going to see. But the rest of the story, not really hold much of anything. I'll give it a 3.5. All right. What do you got? What do you got, Jay? Um, I read uh, Dead Body Road, um, Bad Blood uh, from Image Comics uh, this week. And writer is Justin Jordan, art by Benjamin Teisma. And colors by Matt Lopez. And it is a really cool, like, small town, dark crime thriller. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't read anything about it. I just uh, saw it was in image number one. I picked it up. And it's basically, okay, so it's about... uh, a lady named uh, Bree, and she she acquired her own uh, bar in this small town. And through the book, you kind of get the impression that Bree has has seen a lot, has been kind of like in in, in like a, a crime world. And she she got out and she bought this bar, and now she's trying to make her life. She's trying to set her life straight. She's smart. Um, she's, she's pretty tough, but she's got this like loser brother, um, who's still kind of a hood rat and, um, he does something stupid and now, um, there's a lot of bad people that are after him. It never really says what he does, but he's on the run. And so everybody keeps coming to Bree at her bar saying, Hey, you see, you know, cops come. Um, you know, surly characters come and ask, 
have you seen your brother? And she's like, no, you know, dude's a loser. Why would I keep track of him? He does what he does. I have nothing to do with him. All right. So then I am, I'm totally, totally like, you know, this is total cliff notes version. Um, but at the end um, you, you see Brie closing the bar down she's heading home. She walks in and somebody, you know, gets the drop on her and, and ties her up and, um, you know, they're, they're kind of getting ready to torture, asking where, you know, where her brother is. And she gets out of it pretty violently and, and puts a smack down on the dudes who, who tied her up and, um, blows her place up. And the last panel is her going after her brother, you know, basically being like, you know, yeah, the guy's a loser, but he's my brother. So she's, she's going to get to the bottom of it. But the whole thing, art was cool. The the pace was was on point, and you you really got to kind of know these characters as 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 much as this was like issue one. Um, you know, it it put a an emphasis on character development, and it works. It was I really enjoyed it. This is like totally the kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I like it in, in film and, um, in, and in comics when done right, I, I love it just as much. So for, um, dead body road, I, ooh, I give it a four. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was pretty interested in that book. Um, looking at it pretty over cool. I can't remember. I don't remember why I didn't pick it up on the, um, on the shelves on comic book day. I think it's just cause I had so much other stuff already and i was like oh, i'm gonna let that one go but it looked interesting i might have to go back and pick it up yeah man it's pretty your review sold me jay nice i love that happens here <laughs> i know i don't do that very often <laughs> it's cool the the emphasis on character development really really sent it home yeah really yeah, really does. sold me um all right, so I'm going to go ahead and go with my first book that I read that nobody else read, and that's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 105. Um, so I know that uh, the last Ronin, the new Turtle spinoff, Last Ronin, is is the big the big series everyone's looking forward to this summer. They're already in talks into turning it into a, a TV show for CBS All Access. Um, so we'll see for the streaming service. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Turtles five was a nice issue because after the events of 100 with the death of Splinter and how they handled that, the turtles have all kind of been separated. Leonardo fell into depression and he's been pretty much just tending to his greenhouse. Uh, Michelangelo wouldn't get out of bed. He just laid in bed. Donatello kind of tried to get everyone together while Raphael and Jenica kind of separated themselves from the clan and Raphael became a vigilante and Jenica was just kind of like at a loss. So in this issue, they finally all have all come back together and decided that we can't let Splinter's legacy end here, that we can choose to continue to go our separate ways or we can bring the clan back together and honor Splinter and his legacy in, in an appropriate way and use it as our driving force moving forward to do good in the world. So they form the, um, they form the, new, the new Splinter clan, basically. And so they have a new a new symbol. It's under a new symbol, a new name, and they decide to open their own dojo and start tr- and teaching 
these other mutants karate because in the events of City at War, there was an uh, airborne mutagen that was released and it's turning people into mutants. So they start opening this dojo to teach these, you know, some of these mutants and under the Splinter Clan and under this new logo. And they bring in, uh, I don't know how to say her name, Alpex or Alapex. She's a, a wolf character, female wolf character. She was kind of in charge of the, uh, I believe she was working with the the Foot Clan and she had a soup kitchen and all that. And they bring her in and she gets a green bandana. So now she's kind of like the green turtle. But they're, um, they basically open a, a karate school to teach these mutants and, and to preserve the legacy of Splinter. And there's this other little character named Lita. She's an albino turtle. That's her right there. Right. Okay. Let me get it up there better. Right there. She's an albino turtle. Um, her name is, is Lita. She's part of it too. <laughs> and she and Jenica kind of have a heart to heart conversation at the end about how, you know, it's, you shouldn't pick on people. And, you know, she was picked on and blah, 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 blah. But at the end, she says that you're basically your future is your own. The future is up to us. It's open. We're we're free to write it, and it has her as an adult coming through a portal at the end of the issue to the turtles' time. So, wow. so issue one hundred six to kick it off. I know we're getting ready to have the the big annual event um, in a couple of weeks. So turtles one hundred five was a good was a good bridge issue to the next storyline setting it up. Uh, I liked it. I'm gonna give it a three five out of five. Solid. So. Nice. Kind of, kind of like these solid mm-hmm. reviews today. The mark of a really good week. Who's next? Yeah, it was a good week. It was a mm-hmm. big All the week. books I read were pretty solid. It's gonna make up for next week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I guess it's me. Uh, I I went back and I was trying to find a different book to add to my pull list, which has been surprisingly small. Um, and that's been due to just my hesitancy I'm using that. I don't even really remember if it's a word, but yeah, being hesitant to go into new series. Um, and then books that I did want to go into a new series are only like two or three were sold out in my LCS. So I went, okay, let me dig back to a book that just recently came out, catch on with that and continue. And I decided to go with The Resistance. Um, it's a book by J. Michael Stradinsky and Mike uh, Diodato Jr. Um, you might remember Stradinsky from a bunch of things, Rabalon 5, uh, Spider-Man Run. Um, Diodato Jr. also has uh, quite a few things to his name as well. Um, and this launched from one of the newer comic book st- uh, publishers out there, um, AWA Studios, which has assembled a really good stable of uh, great creative talent with which to put out their first wave of titles, The Resistance being one of them. Um, it basically kicks off this entire universe, which is called um, the Upshot Universe, which is its shared universe for mature readers, the imprint of a new generation of superheroes coming out in the wake of a pandemic, um, which uh, it's kind of, it's really uh, more of a global cataclysmic event, but just to be real, it's kind of a pandemic. Shocking uh, parallels to now. But in the resistance, it's a viral contagion, devastatingly high kill rate, just sweeps across the planet, kills millions. Um, Governments react to the pandemic, crime is up, governments are becoming more totalitarian, they're becoming straight regimes, just, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not going it's, to, it's, it's, it's just looking the news. It's, it's a lot of stuff just seeping down to its lowest base level as a society. Ew, seepage. Um, Ew. Exactly. Nobody likes seepage. <laughs> Nobody likes seepage, right? But <laughs> it turns out that as this instability globally, socially has evolved from this 
this pandemic, the infected who miraculously did survive end up mysteriously developing superpowers, which is so needed in the face of these increasingly frightening regimes and all the crime and social unrest that's out there. Um, Stradinsky's done work like this. He reimagined uh, Squadron Supreme. If you read uh, the Marvel Max imprint, he also did um, something with um, Image. Um, um, Rising Stars, something similar. Basically, the grounded, like, postmodern, like, semi-dystopian variation of the superhill genre. Um, this book is based a lot off of that. Um, I've never heard of the superhill genre. What is the superhill super genre? Superhero? I probably said heard, heard hill, but okay. My fault. Superhero. Um, I'm just some being of a it, dick. I'm just oh, <laughs> you good? You didn't say that. hill, but I'm. I didn't have to point it out. I just. But you, you, know. but you, you wanted to. But be I, mad. Yeah. I, I I get it. Got to get some that. kind of comic relief on this show, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> the the use of the global pandemic and the government response obviously seems like. There it is. That's what popped in my head when you said that. Anyway, the use of the government response to the pandemic certainly feel timely given current events. It didn't seem unintentionally, especially with when this came out. Um, it isn't a fault of the creative team, of course. They've been doing this for months before any of this broke out. Um, but it does kind of feel uncomfortable sometimes as you're like reading it going, oh, wow. Like, it did, dude, I was going to say it, it like I was reading it. it I kind of squirmed a little. I'm like, mm -hmm. this is too almost way parallel to what's going on <laughs> yep yep and it's kind of crazy and um Diodato Jr., as far as the art, is working with his uh, freaking collaborative partner in Frank Martin, um, who's the colorist, and the artwork is, like, top-notch. There are several splash mm -hmm. pages that are just amazing. Um, all the panels are detailed. He's a, he has a great use of shadows, and, and, and it's weird the way he's able to highlight his illustrations, that you can see he has more rain. He did a lot of work for Marvel, but it's a lot more murkier and shadowy in terms of certain pictures. And I, um, some of it, I mean, the opening splash of just the earth got me. There is another one where a hero um, attempts to sacrifice herself for the betterment of the universe. And unfortunately, it's, you know, and, and, and it's um, proving to no effect. But like one of these it, like splashes just is it's it's vibrant when it needs to be. It's set in this dark, overcast backdrop that makes all of the people and surroundings around it just pop in such a way. Um, it, it's a beautiful book. And I read issue once. I get to issue two. Um and, and try to catch up when it continues along, um, which it has. But since it's recent enough and I haven't reviewed it before, I wanted to. Um, it's definitely the most grounded work I've seen from this art team. Um, they both work together on, Spy on The Amazing Spider-Man, so it's definitely different. Um, and I like the pace. It's a lot more deliberate. They were really trying to have the effects of this event be felt, um, especially to build up whatever opponent is going to be coming out of this um, resistance and establishing more of these superheroes in the wake of all of that. So... It was a really good book. Um, really good book. I loved the way that they were able to address different avenues of what would transpire out of this. And like I said, some of it's scary, but just in general, you know, how the government will respond, how people who are undergoing this attack from both their own government and people around them who are like, hey, we can do what we want right now. And then to come back and go, oh, wow, I have superpowers. I have a way to change this. And again, just a hell of a first issue. I give it a four out of five and I can't wait to get to number two. Wow, that was a good review. What do you think, Jay? Do you agree I with do. him? Oh yeah. Um, in fact, um, AWA Upshot. I've been so impressed with all of their books. I've I bought as many as I can find. Um, that hotel that I reviewed um last week was AWA Upshot. I picked up Red Border issues one and two. 
um, that resistance, um, year zero. Um, I think there's one or two others out there that I've, I've picked up, but yeah, man, they've been like top notch and yeah, I, I totally agree with, with Corbin's resistance review. It's Corbin's, good books. Corbin's really good books. I am a little tired. I didn't mean to do that. That, that, positive, that, Batman debate really took it out of him. He's so fired up. He's ready for a nap now. He's ready for some din din and to go night night. <laughs> I am kind of sleepy. No, that was good. But no, you're right. I'm, I'm and I'm, I'm, I'm actually. You were there when I picked it, but I remembered you reviewing um, it, Jay, as far as the AWA book and everything because it, they, that was a hell of an opening act for that publishing house. And I'm excited to get to more of those books. I'm glad I'm able to start with a series that. I mean, there's plenty more, as you described, that I can kind of get with that are outside of my normal comic bubble that I can expand my reading with. Yeah. What do you... All right. What do you got next, Jay? Um, so are you ready to talk Thor? Or... Oh, you want to talk Thor right now? Ooh, um, let's. We can talk Thor. I'm down to talk Thor. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Donnie Cates, Thor number five. Um, Thoughts. I okay. So before before we get into it, real quick though. So Thor number five, hot book of the week. If you watched Absolute Geek on Friday or um, CBSI's Hot Ten, it is one of the hottest books of the week. Your comment. It was a low print run. Um, It's got a first appearance of it that we're going to get to in a minute. Comic shop still had some, so you might get lucky if you're looking. To, to pick one up, definitely pick it up because it, it could definitely be a book that is, is spec-worthy. It was already, the variant was already a $70 book when the day it came out on Wednesday. The the A cover, the normal cover, this one here is going for 15 to 30 bucks online right now. Um, so it's a it's a, it's a a highly, highly speckable book. So if you're looking for that speckable book, I think the speckable book from last week is definitely going to be Thor number five. Go ahead, Jay. It could be speckled. Okay, so it's it continues the whole um, the whole Thor and um, Galact Thor being Galactus Herald, and they're both trying to stop the 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 black what the black plague the, the black, black winter mist, the black winter. Um, and it's this just impending doom that's supposed to come down, and it's it just eats universes. And, and apparently, there's you know from what we thought before, um, there's no stopping it. It's it's inevitable. It just happens. It's it's like a, like like a storm that just you know develops and it consumes. But um, we okay. So I don't know how. Sp- Spoilery, we want to get go here. for it. Just okay. It's been, so, it, it's, it's been days. Just go for it. So, okay. <laughs> so Thor, you know, um, gets consumed by it, and he ends up inside of it, and in the in the in the eye of the storm, and he he learns a lot. Um, he learns that this thing isn't all consuming, and this thing is is after one thing. And the one thing is it's after Galactus. So um, I guess, I don't know if, if we were all just duped um, before and Galactus just kind of manipulated um, 
you know, what he could to, to, you know, selfishly uh, protect himself. But I thought this story was awesome. Um, oh my gosh, man, the artwork was tremendous. It's, it's, it was so, and I hate using this word, but it was so like epic, you know, it was like exactly what you want, like a Galactus Thor space story to be. Um, but I mean, I don't know what you guys thought. I, I would, jeez, man, I would give this book, I'd give this book a four. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, because yeah. it was, there was a lot revealed here and, uh, I don't know. It's just a fun read and it wasn't boring. One thing that, that I, I think Donnie Cates has done is eventually, I mean, who knows, eventually maybe he might get here, but. A lot of these Thor runs can get a little dull because I mean, let's face it, pre pre Ragnarok Thor was kind of boring, um, but um, Donny Cates has made a really good, a really, a, a really good way to to not make it like that, and it's been really interesting and it's been a really fun uh, fun arc so far. Yeah, Donnie what, Kate, what do you think? Donnie Cates is kind of that hot man in comics right now, isn't he? He's got everything going on with Venom. He's pretty much turned around Venom and made that a hot commodity. He's doing the same thing with Thor. Yeah. Um, I love this book. I love this issue. This issue's solid four out of five or four four out of five for me. Um it it was kind of a, a bridge issue, but a lot was answered. Like there wasn't a lot going on, but a lot was answered. Yeah. I like how when when the Black Winter consumes Thor, he takes the form of the god kill the god butcher, and you see he t he takes the form of like all of four Thor's foes, and like you get here it is here's the first look of the Black Winter right there. Yeah, there he is. He takes the form of Loki and backstabs him, and Thor's kind of like you know this isn't this isn't true. You know I I know what you're doing. These are all games. Quit playing games with me. And like you said, he thinks that the black winter is coming to destroy the earth and in, in Thor's world. And, and the black winter says, no, sir, that's an incorrect statement. And, you know, he's like, he's like, yours. Yeah. You like that? He's like, there's a, there's a much darker fate set upon your world. I'm here for him. My, my Galactus. And he gives you Galactus's, he gives you Galactus's real name. He gallon of Ta. Galactus, he's here for the uh, the original person he created, and he asks him, "Why do you think I let you be the only survivor from the first time this happened?" And he's like, "I'm here for for a gallon of Ta, you Galactus, my my herald." So now you know that herald that Galactus is the herald of the Black Winter, yeah. and it's kind of like he came to Thor, thinking that Thor could protect him and save him from the wrath that was being set upon him by the black winter. So he kind of lied to him. So there's a lot of deceit and deception throughout this issue. You get the true first appearance. Don't let anyone tell you else the true first appearance of the dark winter. Cause Donnie Cates himself has come out and said that Thor number five is the true first appearance of the dark winter. Um, and we're going to see what happens moving forward to notice that, you know, Galactus is using Thor kind of the same way that the, the dark winter was using Galactus. So, it was a very interesting book. I can't wait for issue six. And you hit it on the you hit the nail on the head, Jay. That you know, Donny Cates has a way of taking a character that's kind of dull and and 
injecting some new life into him. And I think he's definitely done that so far with this Thor run. We'll see. It, oh, it's yeah. only five issues into his run, so it could go terribly south. If we learned anything from Tom King's Batman run, revert <laughs> back to that one. It can go south real fast. Zero to south. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, what happens going forward, but I, I'm look, definitely looking forward to issue six. Yeah, I like it. Definitely. All right. Who wants to go next? Um, close it out mine. Yeah. I will go. Actually, me and Jay could do another one. Jay, let's do uh, year zero. Okay. Let's do year zero. So, year zero is another one of those, uh, like you were talking, AWA upshot books. Um, it's a book that had a lot of heat, um, good heat going into the first issue where people were saying that's already been speculated that it's going to be turned into a TV series or on one of the streaming sites. And because it's got that, it had that real big walking dead presence, you know, automatically anything says zombies, people go to walking dead and what, what AMC did for the walking dead and walking dead did for AMC and that partnership, everyone's looking to get their hands in the comic book properties right now. And Zero Year had that that push and that buzz around it. Um, issue two, if you read issue one and or heard Jay's review, issue two is more of the same. You kind of said it, Jay. It's you're meeting different, you're meeting these characters at, in different places at different times. They even kind of went Walking Dead esque, where you had one guy who who was kind of like a doomsday prepper who saw it all coming, and he has his own little underground bunker, and he's trying to radio out to people and. You know, it, it ends with someone answering him finally on his radio. But yeah, you see different people at different at different times, and it kind of starts off with like them finding a caveman in the ice and saying that his blood and the way his blood regenerates and and the way it works, it could be a cure to wiping out HIV and cancer, and and so they kind of start there, and then it it picks up all around the world, and you see a a boy hiding in a church from from a like a, a zombie minister and you see like a hitman they follow a hitman and they follow like they said the nerdy dude who loves dungeons and dragons and one of us basically <laughs> one of us one of us in this bunker <laughs> and it's yeah it's it's a weird book for issue two it's i'm enjoying it though um it was it felt more the same i would expect for a second issue especially with the way these AWA upshot books have been so far, they would take a step forward and you'd get yeah. a little bit more out of a second issue. Um, but what, what did you think, Jay? Um, yeah, I, you're, I totally agree. Um, I almost wish that issue one would have been like a, a double issue and included this, yeah. you know, because it's, yeah, it's just, it picks up exactly where, all of these characters, individual stories left off. And, um, and it is kind of like as weird as it kind of seems in this, in the, the whole scheme of this book, things are kind of looking up for these characters. Um, you know, like the doomsday prepper guy was just kind of, you know, super lonely and he was, you know, and, and like Matt said, then, you know, you had the guy answer him at the end and the little boy in Mexico was, you know, surrounded by, you know, zombies and somebody rescues him. And um, so it's, yeah, it's a total continuation. Um, I'm wondering at what point, you know, will all these characters meet up? 
That's yeah, me too. I'm, I'm wondering where, mm-hmm. at what point, and when all these characters' paths are going to cross because it's only six issue. It's a six issue miniseries, so and they've already done two. So you know, there's not a lot left to work with. There's four issues left. So mm-hmm. at what point? Yeah. Oh wow, that's interesting. You guys are intriguing me on these books. Yes, and I mean the. I mean, one of the coolest characters is the the Japanese assassin guy. Um, and I don't know. All these characters are just um, they're intriguing. You know, you want them to meet up, and so far it's just you know, okay, it's just spinning it out more. <laughs> you know, but that's the that was my that's my only beef with this with this issue is just you know. There wasn't a like you wanted a little bit more progression than you got. Um, so I don't know what what do you what would you give it, Matt? Um, I think I give it a three five. Maybe no nah, no no three a three. I think three oh, five is a little casual. too hot. Three because the the introduction of the caveman stuff and the blood was a nice touch, but then it kind of like you said jumps to the Mexico the little boy in Mexico. So you don't really know where you you have that feeling that they're going to try to use this and that's, what's going to start all of this. They're going to try right. to use that blood for a cure. And that's kind of what's going to kick all this off. Um, I, I wanted, you know, I wanted a little bit more progression from a second issue than the first, n- instead of just seeing these characters kind of in the same spots that they were, where you left them in the first issue. Um, but I'm definitely going to keep going. I'm definitely going to, I'm probably going to give it all six just because the zombie is kind of my genre and I'm interested to see how it happens. And I love the cover choices. Like, I love how they they work this with with what looks like real like photos like that that could look like a real photo of of people standing in the subway in Japan yep. waiting for a train yeah. and and in the back of the the second issue it gives you that preview for the cover for issue 3 and it's like a family on a picnic with the like oh just hanging out yeah yeah <laughs> for both yeah that's cool and so that's cool it's Oh no! I'm sorry. It's only a five issue miniseries. I thought it was six. Okay, so it's five issue miniseries. So that makes it even more crucial that they've got to close it out in three more issues. You know? Yeah. So wow. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But so far, I mean, if if you're a horror fan or just want some different, interesting stories, AWA Upshot is is kind of coming on strong. So we'll see. There's some other books out there by them that I've been I've been digging on. So. And apparently you guys too. Them and Oni Press. Oni Press is another one that's been kicking it into high gear. So, yeah. What would definitely. you give? What's your rating for zero year or year zero? I agree. I agree. I, I'd give it a three. Three. I'm right there with you. So, like, because I just read the basket full of heads, kind of wordy but interesting. Not sure where it's going to go. Um. Now the way it ended. Not the. Or now the way it ended. Mm. You're, you're reading that, aren't you, Jay? It ended already. Basketful of heads ended. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, it was. I liked it. Yeah, Hill Hill Hill's been doing interesting work with the Hill House comics. I, I thought about yeah. that myself. How basketball heads? I mean, basketball heads was the I feel was the best one. Mm. There I don't you know go. Those, but. Oh, the lot. Let's mm. um. Need good for us. Oh, I did. I can review a book. I guess I read. What. It was a recommendation for you guys, actually, uh, or Jay specifically. Uh, after Archie and Afterlife. Oh, uh, old school. Check it out. Good old, read. Very old school. Did kind you, of scary. Love the art. Do you have another individual book, Jay, or no? 
Um, I just I have that Texas blood. Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, go with Texas Ooh, I was blood. In that one. Yeah. Um. So, uh, again, it, it's like this weird little theme. Um. But again, small time, small town crime, and it's just um like a, a an older sheriff. Well, actually, before you get into Solo, he's asking if number seven was the end of Basketball Heads. Yeah. It was the end, like for now, but it almost seems like maybe it might get might pick up somewhere else. Okay. But yeah, so there you yeah, go. Yeah, it was. I liked it. There you go, solo Wookie, Wookie's cookies. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh no, no, that's totally fine. Um, yeah. So again, uh, uh, sheriff of a small town, older guy, and he's just kind of driving around doing his thing. And his wife's kind of like nagging at him. Um, it's his birthday, and he, he she really needs <laughs> this casserole dish from from their friends. And mm-hmm. she's like, "Get the casserole dish," you know. And he's like, "All right, all right." And he goes on all these calls, and she keeps calling him. She's you know, and she's like, "Did you get that casserole dish yet?" And he's like, "No, you know, hold just you know, hold on. I'm busy. I'm the friggin' sheriff." And so he goes to, um, he gets this call of this domestic dispute, and he goes over there, and it's the friends um, who have the casserole dish, and um, he kind of senses like something's weird, and they won't let him in, and he can kind of hear a struggle, and they're like, he's like, yeah, okay, well, you know, I'm here because you know, some neighbors called and they heard a lot of noise and smacking around. I just want to make sure everything's okay. And he's like, yeah, 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 we're fine. We'll get your stupid casserole dish, you know, just, you know, just leave us alone kind of thing. And so the sheriff's like, all right, whatever. And so he, he's sitting by the side of the road and he sees the dude, um, the, the guy who, who he went to his house with a domestic dispute call. And he's like, just going like a hundred miles an hour. And the sheriff, like, um, pulls him over and the guy's got like, he's covered in blood and the sheriff just kind of like freaks out. And he, you know, he's like, um, and he notices he's got a gun on his lap and he's like, you know, basically it's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sheriff. And he just puts the gun to his head. He blows his brains out like right in front of the cop. And, and the story ends and he, he like looks in the back seat and like, there's his casserole dish. <laughs> And so, again, like, like covered in the dude's brains and stuff, you know. Um, the casserole dish. <laughs> but again, I'm just giving you the the real shortened version. And with the the, the just the, these characters, man. And this book just seems so cinematic. And I'm I'm looking. I was looking at the reading, like the artists. Or not the artists, the, the writers kind of, you know how in the back sometimes they have like, oh, you know, this is what my inspiration was, blah, yep. blah. But apparently this was supposed to be a movie and it got stuck in the funding stages. Mm-hmm. And so the guy who he uh, who, who the was doing the storyboard art, he was like, hey, how about we just do this as a comic? And so they agreed on it and here we have this book 
And, you know, he was saying, you know, now that I did this, I'm so glad this wasn't a movie. I'm so glad we, you know, who, what's he going to say? I guess, you know, <laughs> but, but he said, yeah, I'm missing out. he's probably yeah. saying that because the talks in the background are, Oh, we're going to turn this into a movie. So it, it's working out both ways now. Now that it's a comic property, everybody probably wants it. Probably. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, um, again, very character driven. Obviously the story wasn't a whole lot there, but very character driven. And it was, it was entertaining. It was funny. And it was just very, um, slice of small town life, you know, granted I've never really lived in a small town, but you know, it was just so, um, I don't know. It, it was very grounded and I, I'd like, I liked it a lot. Another for me, another, Oh, I'll give this a 3.5. And the only reason it's not a four because mm-hmm. I don't really see where it's going after this. It almost seemed like, like a standalone little story. Like if it, if this was just a the new one Tupperware issue, dish to murder somebody over. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> a, new, a new dish. Yeah. If this was like a standalone book, I would be satisfied. I'd be like, oh, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know if the, whatever's coming after is going to be as good as this. We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like a, a, a um, what are those books? Anthology type series. Oh, maybe where they like, they'll take just different stories out of yeah. that small town kind and of each thing. one of the standalone type thing. Almost like you did with the ice cream that you were describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hotel was like that too from AWA Upshot. I like those kind. I'm trying to get on. Okay, that's cool. I'm I'm intrigued. All right, so I'm going to review Sleeping Beauties number one. Jay, you read this book as well, right? I read like three fourths of it. Three fourths of it. Uh, So this this book is called Sleeping Beauties. It is based on the novel by Stephen King and Owen King. Um, This book this this book follows. we don't know who she is, a young woman. She wakes up in the woods naked. She's got black hair. She kind of looks like Sleeping Beauty a little bit. Um, and she interacts with a butterfly, and these butterflies follow her out of the woods. It cuts to these two women in jail talking in a, in a prison. Um, you come to find out that the main character's wife in the book is uh, she's the sheriff, and he works at the prison as a um, therapist. And it follows this girl into out of she comes out of the woods. You don't know her name. You don't know anything about her. She comes across the meth lab. She pretty much finds a dead rabbit. She talks to the rabbit. The rabbit pretty much told her where they she can find <laughs> who did this to her or to him. And she goes after him. And she and it gets real brutal when she shows up at the meth the meth lab's <laughs> house and she just annihilates these two dudes like smashing their face in, knocking teeth out, gouging out eyes. The dude's got a Mr. Hanky tattoo from South Park on his neck. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Uh, <laughs> and she just brutally like murders these dudes and blows up their and blows up their meth like their meth operation and there there's this disease that's sweeping Australia throughout this issue that they called Aurora disease. It's this because oh, Aurora is the main princess in Sleeping Beauty. So Aurora, they call it the Sleeping Beauty disease. And um, they, I'm sorry, it's not, I, God, I'm getting my shit mixed up. I know I said that it, she looks like Sleeping Beauty. She looks like Snow White, if you ask me, because Snow White had the, the dark hair. Sleeping Beauty was a blonde. 
So sorry, Snow White. But anyways, I digress. So, um, and it's only affecting women. So if a woman falls asleep, she gets like these uh, cobwebs that come over her and and stuff. And so they come up to the mess dude's house, and the the girlfriend that they were beating on is basically saying that the the Avon lady killed my my boyfriend. The Avon lady killed my boyfriend and his friend. And you see the the progression of this disease where it's like cocooning women's heads, and they don't and they can't they can't wake them up. So they don't know what's going on. They find the the woman who walked out of the woods in the middle of the road, and they the uh, sheriff picks him up and she calls the prison, and the warden of the prison is like, "Your wife is bringing this person in. I know this isn't protocol, but we." we you know, she feels like she needs a, a psych evaluation immediately, and that's kind of that's kind of where it ends. Is they, they put the girlfriend in the back of the cop car, and the cops like, so we got someone here who we got a witness that can take her statement. They open the door, they she falls out, and her head's in a cocoon already, and they don't know what's going on, and and that's kind of where it ends. So, um, I thought it was super intriguing, different kind of different story uh stephen king's all over the place right now between the it movies um his outsider the outsider show he had on hbo his son doing basketball heads and all of his other books as well as now sleeping beauties so it was intriguing to me um i give it a three i'll definitely go back for issue two what what did you feel jay um there's a lot going on here um, it almost kind of reminded me of, um, what's that show he had on Hulu? Uh, oh, it wasn't him. It was, it was, it was taken, it was kind of inspired by some of the, the places and some of the lo- like Stephen King lore that was in on Hulu. I don't remember what the name of the, the show yeah. was. No, no. Um, oh, I can't think about it. I can't, I can't think of it. Uh, what the show's called but it just it reminded me of that because there was so much going on like right off the you know like right from the start yeah like you had that and i'm thinking well, how is this all gonna come together the lady that that killed those those meth heads talking to the bunny and then the bunny's like you know there's two guys and a girl and then she's like thank you mr rabbit and, like kisses him <laughs> yeah he's like upside down like, with okay. a uh, slit throat and bleeding out and, uh, yeah it was an incredibly yeah. violent book yeah yeah especially for a theme like that a children's book i mean it's not but you know what i mean I don't no no characters i'm late for a very poor date yeah, yeah murder <laughs> like like i don't i want to see that it was just bizarre but i'm i'm intrigued i'll definitely pick up issue 2 um, I'm yeah, like I, I just I left off where the prisoner uh, lady's head was like in a in, in that webbed cocoon, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, and the the warden and uh, they're kind of looking at her, and that's where I left off. But it's it's intriguing. I just I hope see when when stuff like this happens, I don't mind, but I get really nervous that they're not going to answer all the all the stories definitively. It's, it's Stephen King, you, you know, know it's probably so they not probably stick won't. the landing, yeah. See that's that's what I'm like. Oh, so because it's hard because you don't, you want to pay attention to the right thing because more often than not I pay attention to the thing that doesn't end up getting answered. Oh, and I get left with you know holding the bag. <laughs> I'll for Batman '93 today. <laughs> I mean, Stephen King's not writing the comic, but 
he is it is based off his novel so we'll see if maybe the writer of the book actually sticks the landing and changes some things up since it's only based off of it um who knows? yeah your friend sorry <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> um and are you out of books now jay um yes yeah. so anyway so th that show's called castle rock oh okay that was on Hulu. oh um, not the kids no that's something else there's a Jim Henson castle something a Jim Henson Fraggle Rock Fraggle, Fraggle Rock. Rock there you go no, definitely right. not Fraggle Rock <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah I'm out alright I got one last book this week and then we'll do a little bit of news um, so my next book is going to be Rogue Planet number two mm. uh, this is a uh, Oni Press book uh, good Still good. Um, still good story. I remember last time these space, pretty much space explorers went to this planet looking to make a quick buck by salvaging ships and answering a distress beacon. When they got there, the planet pretty much attacked them by overtaking the dead bodies of astronauts or, or space people that have been there before. And that's kind of where this picks up is the the planet has picked up these dead bodies. It's in, infused them with this, like it pretty much infused itself into them and risen these spacesuits. And they're all just kind of standing around, not doing anything. And they're all wondering what, you know, should we, what should we do? Should we continue on? Should we go back to the ship? Um, and they're like, well, no, we don't want to do anything to, to piss this off and feel its wrath. And then it kind of cuts to the ship and it, when in the medical bay and they're trying to, to like fix the ship, and some of the life support systems that are on the ship and it opens a life. It opens one of the life supports and there's a guy named Terrence in it. And he's kind of being like infected by what looks like some kind of robotics or the planet itself. They don't really like go into it too much in this issue. Real weird. Um, and he kills the, the guy that's sitting there fixing the, the systems and infuses him and takes him over so they go out of the ship and then they basically find both of their dead bodies at the end of it. And it looks like they, well, okay. So they're coming out and they find a, a blood trail. And as they're walking out, they see the, the one guy standing there. And as they walk out his, and they call his name, Francisco, he takes a spear to the head and you see the, the alien race on the planet come walking out. So still really interesting book. Mm -hmm. Um, you still don't know. Uh, I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a three out of five because you still don't know a lot of what's going on. You, there's not a lot of questions answered. It's giving more questions than answers, uh, which is fine. But I, I want a little bit more for it, so I'm gonna give it one more issue. Hopefully, issue three moves it forward a little bit more because it's just like okay, they didn't give any answers from issue two, but they added another question with the the life forms and the aliens showing up, and that whatever was taken over that dude's dead body. Um, so there's a little bit more to it. Uh, not getting a lot of, not a lot of pieces are being revealed yet, which I guess it's only issue two, but you, you would expect by issue two to little, know a little bit of something, a little something, something instead of adding more to the questions, but yeah, but that's not a big deal. Um, so three out of five for me, I'm going to come back for issue three. I'll probably give this to issue five. If by issue five, I'm still kind of like, what is this planet? What is what is it doing? You know, if there's something, if I don't have a little bit of answers to what 
to my questions about issue five. I think I'm going to bail, but um, I'm, I'll at least give it to issue five. Is this an ongoing? It is. Oh, okay. So, yeah. As far as I know, it is, but, but yeah. Cool. I'll go for a couple more issues. I'll give it my standard five issue seal of approval and then bail out. Got to have the Matt standard. Yep. Okay. That's very generous, man. Oh. I, I, usually yeah. I'm out at like three. <laughs> I feel like you got to give it, like they say, podcasting. You don't know if you're going to do it until, you know, most people quit at five episodes in. Give it at least five issue. I I usually give a TV series about five episodes to get going good. And then you can kind of tell by that fifth issue where it's going. And if it, the writing hasn't changed or things haven't changed by that fifth issue, I kind of bail out, you know? So I think, I think five yeah. issues of a comic is a good place to... To hit that eject button and, and pop out. Feel like it's yeah. been a real one, boys. We them boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's get into a little bit of the news, the comic industry news for the week. Uh, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot uh, to talk about from this week. Um, the the big one coming out though is that DC has decided to postpone Brian Michael Bendis's event Leviathan checkmate indefinitely. So that yes, they have postponed Brian Michael Bendis's event Leviathan checkmate um, event indefinitely. Oh, he's done. So that has not. (laughs) That's not going to come out. Um, Like we said, DC has confirmed that Joker War will be the final chapter in the Joker Batman story. That's been huge comic book news. Uh, Harley Quinn is getting her first ongoing series. Harley Harley Quinn block or not first ongoing series, but in the the white knight universe um harley quinn black white red it's going to be a digital comic series it's going to be digital first comic series and then um boom studios released their first look at their new buffy the vampire slayer Mm. so that's pretty much the big news um moving on to uh what's coming out next week negan number one that's all you need to know Negan Lives is pretty much the only book worth a damn. Well, I shouldn't say that, but it's <laughs> it's the big book coming out next week. Um, there's some coming out next week. Not a whole lot. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's not a great fire path. That's for certain. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely not a great fire path week, like Corbin said. Um Let's see. There are some books on here that I'm reading that I'm going to go. So I still got some books uh, like like Corman said. Dark Horse. DC. Nothing from DC next week. It's all trades. Nothing from Marvel next week. It's all trades. What? It's 4th of July weekend. Oh. Um, of course, Dynamite has a bunch of books out. Red Sonia, Vampirella, Reve- Vengeance of Vampirella. Um, let's see. There's there some other books here that IDW, Ghostbusters Year One, Number Four. That's going to be a buy up for me. Uh, I could sell you a body, Number Four. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Urban Legends, Number 24. Image has. Um, Negan Lives coming out. The Boys 
the net, the second issue of the new boys series comes out next week. Um, there's a couple other ones here. I'm looking real quick. Yeah, Marvel's all trades. There's not a lot coming out, honestly, wow. next week. Um, trying to get to the yeah, the boys, dear Becky, number two, Death of the Army of Darkness, number three. Oh, comes out next week. Um, but there's really not not a whole lot coming out next week. So. Huh. Yeah, it's gonna be heck of light, like like nothing light, <laughs> like night night light. Yeah. Wow. Well, they had to have one of those. Well, I mean, it is like you said, it is a Fourth holiday North. weekend here in to, yeah. the state. So that that brings me to that is that next week there will be no spinner rack episode because of the holiday weekend. Of course. So. Because of the Fourth of July weekend here in the states, there there will be no spin, new episode of Spinner Rack. Um, so yeah, we'll be we'll continue on the the following week. We'll be back, and, uh, and I, I, you're not going to be joining us, right, Jay? You've got some stuff going on where you're going to be probably MIA not for a while. Yeah, I get you on that. Hey man, we get it. Well, that's sure. all right. Yeah. Um, so one of the books that's is real quick um, on Aftershock that's been pretty cool, a vampire book called Dark Red, number 10 is coming out. Mm. That's a buy for Jay, huh? Definitely. Okay. There we go. I can get behind that. But yeah, so like I said, no new um, spinner rack next week. Uh, if you guys are not watching the Absolute Geek podcast Friday nights on uh on YouTube, 7.30 p.m., you missed a fantastic interview with Jack O'Halloran, who played Nan in Superman 2 uh, last Friday. You can go catch it on the replay. Um, also, we are kicking off in July. We are kicking off an initiative to help support local comic shops. So we are going to pick a different comic shop uh, once a month, and we're going to let everyone know where we're going to go. We're going to surprise the shops and go shop that shop to kind of, uh, you know, support your local comic shops and, and boost sales and, and kind of give back for, for shops to just help out with the, the whole Corona thing. So, um, we're going to start doing that on Facebook. We have a absolute geek fan page. Join that page. Uh, we will, we have to accept you. So we'll know if you're a comic shop owner, we, we have to accept you. And then that's where we're going to tell you what day we're going to do it and what shop we're going to go to. Uh, right now we're looking at uh, July 11th, which is a Saturday, July 11th for doing our first one. So we're going to, we're going to help out with that. But, um, but yeah, anybody else got anything you want to talk about? Um, just what you said. Um, I think that's, it's a really fun idea and i hope i hope everyone if you can come come out if you're listening to this um i you know i'd love to meet everybody who listens to this show and i hope you guys all come out and if not you know just like matt said help support the uh, uh you know the, these comic book stores that have been hit super hard um with with this whole covid thing and 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 you know just come out and say hi and you know we'd love 
I, I, I hope, I think I speak with for all of us. We'd all love to meet you guys, even though you two already know pretty much <laughs> a lot of the people that live here that listen to it. But I, we I don't. don't. It's, it's a, you know, it's a unique experience every time. Like Corbin and I were at a, a comic shop, what, two weeks ago when two people came up to him and was like, oh, I like the podcast. So, you know, just random that I never even knew listened to us. So it's, it's a community. And I think a lot of it sprawls from, Grizzle Geeks audience, Couch Crunchers, you know, read a co- or, um, comic exposure, just kind of, we all kind of work together. So our fans kind of seem to spill over, but it was, uh, it's going to be a great time, guys. We come on out, support a good cause, you know, help it, help support a shop, you know, give them that little boost in sales for a day and show, show what this community is all about and what the combo community really is. And it's not a bunch of degenerate nerds. It's, it's people who want to help out, you know, and, and that's really what we want to do. So we're going to go support our local comic shops. Like we always say, and, uh, make it a, make it a surprise. Give them that little boost in sales for that day. So make sure your pockets are loaded. Yeah. Be on the lookout for that. Um, and it's not just the shop, like restaurants too. Cause normally we go out and we get a lunch afterwards. And so everyone who listens to any show is welcome to come do this and join in with us and have a great time. And, show that community love and support and show just kind of show everyone what this community is about and then we can do good stuff. So we're looking forward to that, but yeah, stay tuned here and to all of the absolute geek social media to for more information. And we'll get that out to you as soon as we get everything hard pressed. Um, but yeah, so that'll do it for this week's episode of tales from the spinner act. This is your first time finding us on YouTube. Welcome to the community. Make sure you hit that like subscribe button and turn that notification bell on. So when you know, when we go live, every Sunday, except for next week at 3 p.m. Uh, Mountain Standard Time. Or you can listen to our playback on Tuesday on any of your podcasting platforms. If that's the case, please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review as it goes a long way to help us in those podcast standings. And as Corbin says, it helps us to keep those pockets loaded. But for this week's episode of Tales from the Spinner Rack, I am Matt. I'm Corbin. I'm Jake. Saying, keep them bagged and boarded. Support your local comic shop and keep the pockets loaded. And we'll see you guys in two weeks. Yes, sir. (laughs) Oh, Stalin.